Welcome to the Risk and Repeat podcast, episode number 35. I'm Rob Wright, editor of searchsecurity.com, and I'm here with my site editor, Peter Lotion. Peter. Hi, Rob. Welcome back. Welcome back to you. Well, yes, welcome back more importantly to me. Yes, that's, that's right. Most importantly. Yeah. Yes, uh, I am the most important person. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, it is good to be back in the office. I was in Sin City, Las Vegas for CES 2017, uh, the Consumer Electronics Show, which is, by virtue of being the biggest technology show in the land, is really not just limited to consumer tech. It's become sort of a mishmash of Comdex and CES. And actually last year, I kind of complained about the fact that there wasn't, or kind of, I did complain. I did a blog post about how there wasn't enough security focus at CES and that there needed to be more attentiveness to InfoSec. And then what happened? They gave me a call and they said, put up or <laughs> shut up. No, uh, that's not how it happened, actually. I'm sure they didn't even read the blog post. Uh, no, that I was... Um, I was asked to participate in the uh, cybersecurity forum, the sort of sub event within CES dedicated to enterprise security. And uh, this is the second year that they did this. They did it last year, unbeknownst to me at the time that I wrote that blog post. <laughs> no, that's not true. I think I did mention it. Uh, but yeah, so they this is the second year in a, uh, second year in a row that they put together the cybersecurity forum and I uh, was lucky enough to be asked to speak on a panel discussion with some security folks about uh, some some important matters and it was security it was fun yeah security related yes it's security related it was actually uh, <clears throat> infosec hygiene how do you like what can you do to protect yourself individually what can enterprise security teams encourage employees and users to do to protect themselves stop making it so hard why do we keep making the same mistakes over and over again you picking up a theme here risk and repeat sure. the core tenant of our podcast people making the same dumb errors unforced errors over and over again shooting themselves in the foot uh yeah so i did a panel on that uh that subject but I, I guess before I kind of go into that, it was a pretty good lineup. Pretty good lineup of folks. There are folks like uh, uh, Stina Ehrensvard from, uh, uh, she's the founder and CEO of Ubico. Uh, Brad Hansen, who we, we, we talked to, who visited us here. Yeah, I saw that. That's great. Tech Target headquarters, uh, vice president of Endpoint Security at Dell. A lot of good speakers. There was a, a couple of really good panels, actually, that stood out to me. There was one on uh, compliance and regulation in the U.S. in turn and uh, how it pertains to cybersecurity, and there were folks from, I believe, the there was representatives from the FTC, the DOJ, and I'm trying to remember the other agency, um, not DHS, but it was it so three government folks, and then I think there was a a member of a, a sort of a NGO a nonprofit on there as well, discussing basically a lot of inaction is leading to. Uh, a lot of compliance and regulations for cybersecurity. There was uh, another good panel on Inside the Mind of a Hacker that had some some uh, interesting tidbits on motivations and uh, of, of cyber criminals. I mean, obviously we know it's money, but uh, but yeah, it was it was a good show. 
So let's hear some more about your panel. Okay. that's the important one. Okay, it is the important one, right. Uh, my panel was, like I said, on security hygiene. Uh, the panelists included Jeff Green, who is Senior Director of Semantics Global Government Affairs and Policy. Uh, Rita Marty, uh, Executive Director of AT&T's Chief Security Office. And Mike, uh, Michael Bergman, Senior Director of Technology and Standards at the Consumer Technology Association, the CTA, which basically they run uh, CES. And yeah, I, so when this, when this was given to me and it was like, here, here's the subject matter, go find out what you wanna talk about. When I sat down with Jeff and Mike and Rita, the first thing we all kind of said in leading up to the panel and devising this was, we gotta focus on password and authentication and stuff that people can do to sort of limit their exposure. So, and that was a reoccurring theme throughout the day. Like, not just stronger passwords, limiting password or eliminating password reuse, but it was a lot of stuff about like, well, what can enterprises do to, I don't know, make sure that their employees are not, you know, committing those unforced errors. And one of the things we brought up, and I, I guess I'm going to jump ahead to this, to this point a little bit, but uh, I, I asked the question, well, what do you do, you know, with the problem of password reuse, what do you do when Yahoo has a big breach? When LinkedIn has a, a big breach and it's a, you know, 500 million to a billion people, and you're pretty sure that there's a slice of that number <laughs> that includes your employees. And you can't totally rule out that that slice doesn't include a password that has been reused on your corporate, you know, applications or cloud services or whatever. How do you, what do you do? Do you over, I mean, is it all, let me ask you, is it an overreaction to do a forced password reset if you're a big enough organization and you're... Well, thanks for asking me on yeah. that because I've been, I'm, I'm ready to jump in here. The, if you're talking about 500 million, I mean, yeah. we're not even, well, you know, like people say, oh, yeah, hey, you're, Rob, you're one in a million. No. When there's 7 billion people in the, on Earth, you've got, you're basically one in 7,000. Right. As one in a million, because yeah. there's seven six thousand nine hundred ninety-nine others like you. When you have a billion people in a breach, or even a hundred million, let's you know, let's still a lot. Hundred million, so we've lot. been spoiled by Yahoo, but that's still a lot, right? I mean, and are we going to talk about that later? About the oh, about about the scale of breaches now that Yahoo uh, has been breached for a billion users. We can do a quick detour right now. It's ruined the game. It it kind of, I mean, it, exactly. And in talking of Las Vegas, I was thinking earlier we, when you mentioned that we're going to be talking about your time in Vegas. Yeah. I remember years and years ago, a friend of mine told me, when you go to Vegas, if you don't want to gamble, but you want to feel like you did gamble, go in. Video take, poker. Take no. the amount that you were going to spend, say $20. Remember, this is a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. $5 or $20 or $10, put it on your birthday on the first roulette wheel that you come to. Oh. Let them spin. About once in 30-something times, you're going to hit. And the rest of the time, you just say, okay, I did my gambling. Now, that's great until the time that you hit your number, your birthday. Because then when you put down $5 on, say, 14, and you come back with what is it? Thirty-five times five is one hundred eighty-five dollars, or it whatever. Like so. Whatever it amounts I'm not good to. With the numbers, you know. Then the next time you do it, you're thinking, 
I'm not going to put five down because if I win, it's still not quite, you know, I'll put down 10 or I'll put down 25. Or 100. Or, right, because that, because of your, your, your scales. Yep. And that's this, and I think that's what happened with Yahoo and a billion users breached. Yeah. Because now we've been having this conversation all week so far, all year. Even. Yeah. So far. I mean, it's sure. only January 10th, but the, the thing is that when you've had a billion user breach and somebody else, you know, and Hello Kitty gets breached for 3.3 mil, only million. Yeah. It's, what do we do? I think, I think a lot of it depends on what information was exposed and if that information can be used to create other breaches. Like if it's just, there was something I was looking at today where there was like an esports uh, organization that was that was breached, and the attacker tried to ransom that information for a hundred thousand dollars. But the information was only email addresses, usernames, telephone numbers, encrypted hashed uh, passwords, and security questions. Hash with bcrypt, thank God, not MD5. So, but like if it's just that information, you. It's hard to use that information. Like, there's no credit card data. There's no, you don't actually have the password. So, you can't really use that for anything else. And that is a small number. Now, it's if it's 1.5 billion, and it's passwords and it's credit card information and it's social security and there's a lot of data in there, then you might say, okay, uh, it it may deserve a, a look because it can lead to other attacks. It may be unique because of what the Attackers trying to extort from the organization. I think, I mean, hundred thousand dollars. I don't know where that threat actor pulled that number from, but whatever. One million. One million. <laughs> yeah. So, well, but so so that kind of brings us back around to the question. Yeah. Of uh, what do you do? Uh, well, no, about password hygiene. Yes. Yeah. I want to cycle back to what sure. the folks on the panel said. When you have a billion people, or a hundred million, or even ten million people that have been breached. And you, the question that you asked, well, how likely is it that some of those people in that breach were our employees? Yep. And how likely is it that they reuse their passwords? With large numbers, you're going to get everything. Yeah. I mean, it's like the monkeys banging on the typewriters. You're event, yeah. you know, some, there's going to be some of them that, are, that will have done that. And some of them will be your employees and some of them will have reused the passwords. So... So, yeah, with these large numbers that we're looking at, everything, all the possibilities are, are out there. Yeah, but so. the, the question then is, and we didn't get quite this far in the panel discussion, but where do you draw the line? Is it, is it When does it become in a good idea to do a forced password reset? And, and this is the other thing. Forced password reset for what? You know, just your critical apps? You do SSO, which I'm going to get to SSO in a minute because that came up on the panel. Mm. Uh, you, you really have to look at a number of different factors like LinkedIn, Yahoo, like those are widely used things. And I, I just, I don't know, it, it, it's hard to develop a policy that is strict and doesn't have any leeway on something like this. Um, I mean, if it, was, if it was me, if I worked at a large financial institution and I saw that there was the LinkedIn bricks, yeah, I'd be like, yep. We're, we're resetting all passwords because we, we have liability. We don't want to, you know, a number of different factors. You know, in other cases, it may not be worth it. So 
But I, I think I got the feeling looking at the audience that the, the thought of a, a forced password reset because another company got breached was like, well, that seems a little extreme. I may be reading, I may have read the crowd wrong. I don't know. Maybe. Well, and, and that raises an interesting question, which I meant to ask earlier, but I didn't get a, a chance to jump in. How many people were there? Oh. How full was the room? Yeah, the room was full. Totally full. Standard? Uh, I think it was probably, I mean, it was a decent-sized ballroom at the Venetian, and I think it was probably, it was over 100, but I, I don't, you know. And, again, mo it, it was enter enterprise. It was not people, you know, wandering in there saying, well, how do I, you know, what antivirus uh, software should I tell my, my in-laws to get? Or um, can you validate my parking? Yeah, can you validate? <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Peter. Good one. Thank uh, you. Thank you. So, so yeah, so SSO, I wanted to bring this oh. up. I asked the audience, I said, um, you know, one, one thing that makes it easier for password etiquette is having SSO. So this is one password that you have to remember that controls access to your client device, your mission-critical apps, your cloud services, whatever. And, you know, I asked how many people out there – you know, do your organizations use it? Very, very small number. In fact, I asked how many people use password managers and the number of people using password managers in the audience was higher than the people who said their organizations use SSO. And my head nearly exploded, wow. scanner style. Not, no, that's probably extreme. Not, did, not, did you have steam coming out? I didn't have steam. Okay. I was just a little, I think, I think the panelists were a little su surprised too because I mean, SSO is one way, obviously, you can make security hygiene a little bit easier on the user if there's one password and you don't have to worry about sort of uh, the chance, like, I guess you, you worry less that the chances, about the chances of someone's, you know, an employee's password re reuse coming back to bite you in the, in the rear. So uh, the other thing that we talked a lot about, I'm not going to go through the whole panel because there's a couple other things I want to get to here for CES. But the other thing that was like a big theme was uh, for social engineering and phishing attacks, you know, AT&T and, um, and Symantec were, were big proponents of security awareness training. And I know, like I said that, I could tell like people were cringing in the audience, like tightening up, like uh, eh, no more training, no more, t you know, phishing tests. But Jeff was telling me that at Symantec, they, they do regular uh, – phishing email tests and they send them to employees to test them and see whether or not they'll actually click on them and I think if I if I remember correctly again I was on stage uh, you know wasn't taking notes I think he said that you know typically when they do they do one they do a follow-up and usually the follow-up shows a marked improvement in how many people you know usually it's half the organization that falls for it which is not great they do a follow-up one and shows a little bit more awareness and improvement. Uh, Rita was saying that they, they do security awareness training at AT&T and that they always find that it, it has an improvement, uh, at least according to their metrics, in terms of like how many people actually open up something they shouldn't or uh, go to a site they shouldn't or whatever, whatever you know. And I'm not like going to sit here and advocate for security, all security awareness training, because I think some of it is really bad. But at the same time, like, how, Peter, how many times do we sit in here and talk about, you know, phishing attacks, simple phishing attacks, you know, whether it's government targets or political campaigns or, 
you know, just simple, you know, regular, not even spear phishing, not targeted stuff, just emails sent out in the wild and, and you know, poor schmucks out there clicking on them and that's how they, that's, that's your de facto delivery mechanism for malware today. Uh, nation state actors. Yeah, nation state actors, APTs, cyber yeah. criminals. Well, just... I, I know, this is one of, I think this is one of the defining issues in the whole cyber the issue. Cyber, the cyber, as they cyber, say in the government. As they say in the government, right. <laughs> um, where every once in a while people will, will point out that the zero days are important and especially the way that they're reported because Absolutely. a zero day that hasn't been reported is arguably less dangerous than a zero day that has been reported and patched yeah. because not everybody's patched it. But uh, the, the, you know, when you talk to, there's certain people that when you mention it to them, they'll, their response will be, don't worry about the zero days, re worry about the 1,786 days that have elapsed since, since a, a, a bug has been patched but your victim has not patched it. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of these, and, and we've, we've talked, I'm not sure if we talked in here, but I know we have talked about this concept of uh, living off the land. Oh, when yeah. It, when, it, when the attackers come in, uh, you know, they use SSH, and they go in, and they, they open stuff up, and they take whatever tools are there. There's no malware. They just gain, they gain credentials. You don't even know that you've been hacked because it looks like a legit login unless you're doing you know, some type of behavioral analytics or, or sort of, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, you know, again, there's, there's a lot of tools lying around. And uh, whether, whether people use malware or whether they use uh, open source utilities that are yeah. on every Linux box, um, this stuff is going to keep happening. So... And that, and that was a, a theme that came up time and again throughout the day on Thursday at the forum was, you know, and it's, it started in the first session. I think Stina was the one to bring it up. And rightfully, I mean, you know, Yubico focuses on authentication and uh, access management. But, you know, the users are kind of the weakest link. Like, you hate saying that about employees or, you know, your users or whatever, but, like, when phishing emails have that type of success, uh, you really, it's just something you have to prepare for and you've got to look at your authentication uh, and your, your identity and access management, how you do that and sort of protect against like the lowest common denominator, the, the person who's gonna engage in the riskiest behavior and do what you can to avoid it. Um, and I know we, we here at our organization, we. You can't reuse passwords that you had previously. You can't, you know, they change them regularly. Thank God we have SSO. But it's little things like that, I think, that, you know, go a long way to improve hygiene. Well, okay, here's a thought. Yes, hit me. When you talk about the vector, yep. and if you're saying email is how all of these attacks are coming into the organization, yeah, and then... I think about, well, what do I use email for personally? I mean, for work, of course, yeah. you know, we, we use a lot of email. It's critical, yeah. Because that's what people, how people communicate. But it's not the only way people can, can communicate. And at home, when I get home, I'm not, I'm not really using my email for much of anything but to talk to vendors of various things who are going to tell, like my, my gas company sends me emails telling me that 
I'm using 47% more gas than all of my neighbors. See, now you're going to get a phishing email from an attacker listening who's listening <laughs> to this podcast. So, you know. <laughs> well, they have to know what – I don't even know what my gas company well, is saying. Well, now, now you just made it worse. They've changed it so many times. But these are – so these are all issues. But yeah. but, but to, to circle back to my point, which I was got led away from. Sorry, that was my fault. No, I do it anyway. Yeah. I'll do it on my own. But yeah. the, uh, the point is – how important is email to us? If it's bringing all of these vectors that are that are that are ruining our days, yeah. Um, I am I am I'm not ready, but I'm ready to get ready to say goodbye to email entirely. Mm. I would so much. I would really love to not have to do email because mm-hmm. every time I open up the the email reader, I'm always. It's like. Uh, I sit next to you. I know sometimes you go get an email and you're like, oh, I think I clicked on a bad email or I think I clicked on spam. <laughs> well, there was that, that one time. But but the fact is that now after that, it feels like playing Russian roulette every I time I see a, an email. Because because we we are, you know, th- this is real. So We need to switch to Signal or something. Yeah, or something. Well, I think that's going to be a reoccurring theme this year. Mm. You're sort of uh, teetering on the edge of leaving email. I'm gonna I'm gonna be keeping track of this. Uh, I, I guess you know to to get back to uh, some other stuff that went on at CES. This is sort of related to the you know the the email vector and just how big of a problem it is. Obviously, we've spent a lot of time on IoT, so this was an encouraging part of CES. I know, as I said in the start of the podcast, I complained about how there wasn't sort of enough security stuff that at CES in 2016. 2017 didn't have a lot, but there were, it, this was encouraging because obviously, Peter, what have, what have we done a lot of podcasts on lately? The cyber? Well, besides the cyber. <laughs> oh, IoT, um, IoT, router. Yes, routers, oh, routers. DDoS attacks, DNS attacks, all of these IoT devices, insecure connected devices, you know, being, co-opted into hmm. botnets and so uh one of the encouraging signs was there were a few vendors out there that were at least offering something to deal with the problem so like norton had just announced uh the or uh, semantic had just announced the norton core router which is a funky looking you know wireless router device that they actually built on their own I, they didn't i guess it's not something they bought it's not something they uh, licensed or anything like that. They built it from the ground up. Uh, wireless router, uh, encryption features, automatic updates, guest access control, DNS protection, all that sort of stuff to you know prevent, uh, prevent DNS hijacking, um, to make sure that, that the thing isn't getting taken over by, uh, you know, like the Android malware that we saw, what was it, last week that was attacking wireless routers or a oh. Mirai botnet. I mean, that's those are serious threats now. These are things you have to think about in 2017. You yeah, know? but that thing is that semantic Norton Core router is not an attractive piece of gear. Oh, the look. I mean, yeah, I, yeah it's funky I, looking. I I would get it. You would. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, it it looks like the thing from uh, uh, Tron, like the little orb. Okay. I, well, to, no. What what it looked like to me was a was a was a a, a, a 
computer, a 1987 computer-generated version of a Magic 8-Ball. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of what was in, that's what Tron, yeah, that I, little Tron orb was. Right. Um, but yeah, okay, so. Okay, you, sorry. In the looks department, it may be a little, uh, a, a little bit behind, a little bit uh, less than stellar, but, um, <laughs> you know, good for Semantic for doing something that's like, oh, hey, we're not just going to push out a router that you can't do updates for to patch holes or, you know, address authentication issues. Uh, Bitdefender was another one. Bit, they had the Bitdefender box. That I think they announced maybe a couple months ago, but they unveiled it at, at, at CES. Uh, it scans. It, it's, it's actually it's something that scans and sort of uh, uh, detects vulnerabilities or threats, like for all sort of connected devices in your home. Uh, you know, to see if there's an unpatched vulnerability or if there's malware malware activity. Bullguard's Dojo, cool name, um, is similar product, but it's got a smartphone app that actually, it like the 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 main hub, the 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 hardware device will actually send you a security alert if like let's say your old router, it, there's something wrong with it and, and it's you know it's sending traffic or it's it, there's a DNS issue. It'll send you an alert and say, hey, what do you want to do here? Do you want to turn this off? Do you want to change the password? What, you know, uh, uh, how do we handle this? Uh, and that was great to see something like that because, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how many people out there are going to buy this stuff. I know I'm very interested because you're probably very interested because we're security-minded folks. But at least these guys are offering something out there that is that's acknowledging the issue that we have before us with the IOT stuff. And oh, I should mention that the Online Trust Alliance, uh, there was, I think there was a representative speaking at the cybersecurity forum, although I don't remember which panel, but they introduced a new IOT security guidance, uh, thank God, and they were promoting it. And it, it's basically simple steps, you know, like encrypt the password and usernames, uh, don't ship devices, wire, wireless connected, uh, wireless enabled devices with default passwords that can be easily guessed. Things like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's simple steps, but I feel yeah. like I'm a little hopeful. I feel like cumulatively looking at some of the stuff that was introduced, looking at the attention that the forum, you know, the cybersecurity, cybersecurity forum put on this problem. And, you know, Mike Bergman was you know, talked about this on my panel, like, okay, yes, those things were bad. The DNS attacks, the Dyn attacks, um, the attack on Krebs, but at least now we know that there's a problem and, and, and it looks like some, at least some are moving to address it. So bright sign, a little bit. I, sure. This is rare that you're going to get me in an optimistic sort of hopeful mood, Peter. So take advantage of it. I'm sorry. You're, you're smirking. You're like you're, you're, there's a smirk of doubt over there, and no, I feel like the, you're you're the you're you know negative one. It's not so much the doubt as that I was kind of taken off guard by your declaration that you're being optimistic now. I feel like I am being optimistic. This this is optimistic <laughs> for me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, and I'll be pessimistic because we've got all these billions of. IOT things yeah, that are already, gonna, <laughs> they're already out. It, the, it's like a drop in the bucket. They've left the building. They're yeah. out there in the All universe, right. and they're going to keep doing You know, It's going to be like Windows XP. Great, great. Or whatever came before Windows XP. That's true. That's true. 
Thanks, 98, yeah. 95. 95. 3.1. It's a good year. 3.1. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, well, okay. I was hopeful and optimistic. Uh, Peter, you shattered my dreams. I'm sorry. That's I, okay. That's I, okay. I, I do it routinely to you, and usually well, it's the other way around. So. Yeah, but I meant to. I, I meant to take your spot if you were being optimistic. Oh, thank from, you. Thank so you. anyway, but uh, I, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, but well, I mean, I'll, I'll just say, hey, it was a step in the right direction overall. CES talking about cybersecurity, addressing some of the things that are topical, IoT attacks, uh, weak uh, router security, things like that. So, good sign. Yeah, good sign. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll be back there next year. But, uh, Peter? We'll definitely be back here on Friday. We'll right? definitely be back here on Friday to discuss uh, all the negative. Oh, there's so much to talk about. Jeez, <laughs> I can't wait. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, it was fun for uh, a minute. I guess we'll go back to being negative next uh, next episode. So. Hey. Let's let's try let's try all the combinations. Yeah, let's we'll we'll try some different things this year in 2017 on the Risk and Repeat podcast. Should be fun. Yeah, it, wish, it will be. It will be fun. It exactly. will definitely be fun. Well, thank you, Peter, for joining me as usual, and uh, thanks uh, for listening to the Risk and Repeat podcast. I'm Rob Wright with Search Security, and we will see you next time.